0: Welcome to the limited slip podcast your week's automotive news in 20 minutes we compress all the news in the auto motorcycle and racing worlds for you into our 20 minute podcast your hosts are dave an attorney and car importer and borja who owns an auto repair shop this is dave and borja on this week's limited slip podcast This week's limited slip podcast is brought to you by Retro Mobile Designs. If you are looking for auto and racing themed t-shirts that look cool to the average Joe, but get an approving nod from other petrol heads, check them out at retromobiledesigns.com.
1: The Bentley Bentayga, everybody's most favoritist, super expensive SUV. Um, so Bentley has decided that they need to sell a hybrid version of the Bentega. So they, they took the three liter V six turbo engine with the electric motor. It's kind of it's smashed in between the the engine and the kind of where your flywheel would go and the transmission. Um, and they have made a Bentega hybrid. Borja, are you excited about this Bentega
2: hybrid? No. Why? Well, if you're gonna buy a Bentley, you get the V12, you get the big lump engine. And now having a hybrid, okay, get a Tesla. You yeah.
1: Well, yeah. So this, so this motor we got engine high motor combination. We got 443 horsepower, less than in the other Volkswagen Group applications. Gotta say, so 443 horsepower, 126 of that is the electric motor it'll go up to 84 miles an hour on electric only 18 mile electric only range it's not very efficient 17 kilowatt hour battery only 18 miles range that's not that great also 126 horsepower for such a heavy vehicle i don't imagine that being super wonderful that being said this is the same uh, power plant as you get in like a pan Panamera E hybrid, the Cayenne hybrid, the A8 hybrid, for example. Um, but I I actually I agree with you. You're spending 185 thousand dollars on the Bentega. And do you do you want just a three liter Audi V6? I don't think you do. No. I think I don't think that's a an exotic enough engine for right. for, for for a Bentley, frankly.
2: For a Bentley, um, yeah i I kind of understand why they wanted to go this route with you know with the emission regulations coming up and every manufacturer having to be producing a certain amount you know their, their co2 cap and so on it I get it they had to offer it and, and I guess for some people it's going to be a good option yeah. but it, it's not for me
1: yeah well and this this will be the new base engine and i I like the idea of a plug-in hybrid Bentega but you really need more power out of the electric motor. The range is okay. The range is sufficient, I think, for what most people will use it for. And I, you just need something more
2: exotic, I think, out of the engine, so. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, same thing, 126 horsepower to move an entire city. Yeah. Is, uh, yeah, I mean, they say that it can speed up to 84 miles an hour. I just don't know if it can get up to 84 miles an hour with 126 horsepower, or if it does get there, is it gonna take the whole 18 miles to reach 84 miles an hour? Yeah, it might. Yeah. It might. I mean, the, the Bentega does
1: have like five tons of dead cow inside of it. So
2: yeah, I mean it's a big
1: heavy vehicle. So all right. Well, one thing that is exciting and is exotic is the new Mazda CX30. You might be thinking to yourself, that it's a Mazda, is not that exciting, David. But yes, it is it is exciting because we get a rotary. So uh, Jeff Guyton, Mazda's North American operations boss, they, he was having an interview um, with a Detroit newspaper and he confirmed that yes, the CX-30 EV and EV with the range extender will come to the United States. We, we, we've known about these models for a little bit, but we weren't sure if they were actually going to come to the States or not. And he confirmed that it will. Now the range extender version is the one with the rotary. So in the EV, you know, they have the, the frunk, and then you have the option of getting the range extender, kind of like you do in a, in a BMW i3 mm-hmm. and the range extender is a little rotary engine. Now that's great because those things are, I mean, they're tiny, right? A full-size rotary engine is tiny. It's very small. Yeah. I mean, anyways, but, but this thing is it's minuscule and the whole thing fits in base in what is basically this front trunk, which also remember in the CX 30, they have a gasoline powered version. So the range extender is much smaller than that. And yeah. So the EV version has a range of 124 miles, not, not that great. Right. I mean, as far as EVs go, that's probably not enough for American buyers In Europe. I think that's probably okay, but look to look for the range extender to probably about double that. We're not sure they haven't released any information on it, but, um, the speculation is that it will double that range and give you, you know, 300 mile range. So
2: I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, it should be an interesting one. And uh, of course, time will tell, especially that little rotary engine, how good the reliability is going to be. Because uh, they they are, as everybody knows, rotary engines can be a little bit finicky uh, and they do require slightly different uh, maintenance than your regular internal combustion engine. So I thought it would be, you know, it's interesting that they decided to go with a rotary option for, for this uh, uh, vehicle, but. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like there, there is an
1: argument that is not a good choice for a range extender. You know, the, the reliability is, is one issue. The other issue, I think, is um, the emissions because rotary engines, they have to burn a little bit of oil. So they tend to have mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily more CO2 emissions, but they, they have other emissions that are that are not positive. But you can get away with that based on the regulation because it's technically an, an EV. I don't know that buyers in Europe will be okay with having that. I think that they care more about those emissions in the United States. I don't think anyone's going to notice or care, but, but yeah, but, but on the positive side, the positive argument is that it's, it's tiny. It's very, very compact. And on top of that, Mazda has all this heritage with the rotary. So I think it's a good, I think it's a good thing. I don't know that it makes a ton of sense in the CX 30, CX-30 is kind of a weird at crossover. It has the rear suicide doors like the RX-8. And I, don't, I, don't, I just don't know that it's practical enough to get that many buyers. It would make, in my mind, a lot more sense in some sporty coupe. But I should add that the, the rotary engines can be really efficient. That's the other ding that people say, oh, they're not very efficient. They can actually be really efficient in a range extender application because you design it to be efficient at a certain load, and then with the range extender, you just operate it at that load. It doesn't have this variation in load like a, like a normal internal combustion engine does. So anyways, those are my thoughts on that.
2: And moving on, we got some news out of Massachusetts that they have decided to follow suit with California and ban internal combustion engine for 2035. So, oh, man, I guess you have to go to Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. Hey, moving on, we do have, uh, it's another week with some news about Tesla. Uh, As everybody may have realized, we have entered a new year, even though it's started as crazy, if not crazier than 2020. But yes, a new year has started. And that means that we now know how much, uh, how many vehicles Tesla sold last year. So, so yeah, so they
1: made their, they almost reached their goal. They, you know, the factory in California was shut down. They were able to, increased production in Texas and Germany and especially in China to to make up for that. Um, The big, the big question we have is yeah, sure. They made 500,000 cars, but what were the state of those cars when delivered? (laughs) Mm.
2: Yes. as we do know quality control is an ongoing issue with them. Um, Yeah. That said, it does seem that they're getting better every day, but there's still quite a few issues going on from buyers picking up their vehicles and, and finding, oh but there's a few no issues, roof or or yeah there's no roof or uh, like we're just about to talk in a minute I'm sure um, windows shattering or no apparent reason yeah that's that's the newest that's the newest one right so
1: there is there's a lady she had she took delivery of the the we'll get to this in a second the brand new standard range uh, model this is a problem that test some tests some model wise have had in the past and no one really knows what's going on with it But basically, the rear right window just breaks on its own randomly. No one knows why. And people kind of thought that this issue was resolved, but it's
2: not. Yeah, it seems like the Model Y has its own personality and saying, you know what? They may have built me to be a crossover, but what I really want to be is a full-on convertible. That's why I'm getting rid of my roof and I'm getting rid of the back windows, Uh, so
1: that's why, Who knows? Is why Elon Musk is so afraid of the, the takeover of the machines.
2: But even with all those quality issues, they are selling it like hotcakes. And if you ask me, there's a good reason. Because like I said, I've driven one. It drives really nice. is extremely spacious for a car of that size. Um, I don't recall being inside a car that's that size exterior wise that's that size that it's so roomy in the inside you have just tons of space in the inside which is really one of the most appealing reasons why you buy the model Y. besides of course being an ev is you want to have a spacious vehicle because of course that means that you can do a lot of things with it you can put a lot of stuff in it you can do a lot of things in it it's very versatile when it comes to that right and and that versatility uh, I have to say that Tesla is specifically in the model Y they knocked it out of the park.
1: What, what so what else is going on with it? So in, in Norway, we have the year end sales from Norway and for 2020, it, this is actually really interesting. 54% of new vehicles sold in Norway in 2020 were, were electric vehicles and another 20% were plug-in hybrids. So, you know, it's, three quarters of the vehicles sold in Norway were are battery powered. That's it's incredible. It is incredible. You know, and and I'm I'm like I was writing, I was preparing this and I was like, isn't it cold in Norway? Like like do electric cars work that well up there? <laughs> isn't Norway like, isn't their economy
2: dependent on oil exports? I, what's going on up there? Right. It's it's pretty incredible that they they have this high number because yeah as you said they, it's a very cold place they they get a lot of snow and winters are long and we all know that uh, batteries don't seem to like well batteries don't like extreme temperatures whether it be cold or hot yeah uh, and so uh, yeah but um, at the same time there's no surprise that Norway is kind of the pioneer in Europe when it comes to to EV cars because they've always been, as far as the European countries, they've always been a lot uh, more progressive when it comes to alternative energies and yeah and things of this nature than most of the other European countries.
1: Yeah, so, they're yeah, and they're really concerned about the environment, and yeah. they, you know, and they have lots of. I mean, they have basically their electricity production is almost entirely hydro,
2: so it's so it, it would make sense that if someone's going to get there first, uh, it's going to be the Norwegian. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, anyways, they they love it. And I think, I think it's interesting because again, one of the questions that we have a lot of times is there's not very many buyers that who are interested in electric cars in the United States. And yet all of the manufacturers are putting, are diverting almost all of their research and development money into electric vehicles, you know, and we have some questions that can actually work well in Norway, it's working right now. Norway is not a big market, Yeah. but no, this could be the bellwether of saying, you know, this this is where the future is
0: before we get to the rest of the show take a moment to subscribe if you enjoy our insights and want to help keep our lights on you can visit our businesses borha runs a full service repair shop in orem utah you can find him on facebook at auto pros utah and trust me he really can fix anything dave imports cars from south america and europe Primarily classic trucks like FJ40s and Land Rovers. But he can help you source any classic car in any condition that you want. From cars that were never sold in the U.S. to trucks that are just cheaper with less rust overseas. Visit Dave at DaveTheCarImporter.com. There's no reason for you not to have the car of your dreams. Even if it's forbidden fruit.
1: I have a little bit of news, more news out of them. So they have started the production of the third row Model Y. So you can get it as a, it's like a jump seat almost. It's, it's an option, $3,000 upgrade. I think that's a worthwhile upgrade. It does beg the question, who's going to buy the Model X? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know why you would buy a Model X instead of a Model Y, unless you're me and you hate the not having an instrument
2: cluster. So, yep. and you, and you like those, uh, those cool back doors, uh, what do they call them? The uh, Falcon, Falcon doors. doors.
1: Right. Uh, so, well, yeah, I, I guess, um, you know, for me, the whole third row thing is a pretty big deal on that same idea. We have the Jeep Grand Cherokee has come out with their new model, the Cherokee L. That's mm-hmm. the, the one that has the third row and it's a brand new model. So this is the the brand new, the next generation Grand
2: Cherokee. That's a pretty big deal, too. It is. Uh, it was actually released yesterday and uh, we both had uh, a look at it and uh, we, we have mixed feelings about it. Yeah, the interior is really nice. The interior, the interior is fantastic. Uh, yes. Yeah, it's a fantastic upgrade. It looks great. Uh, you know, it rivals luxury manufacturers out there. So they did a fantastic job with the interior. Yeah. Um, the interior, we were just saying that it looks too much like the Grand Wagoneer.
1: It does. It does. But, I mean, uh, it looks yep. It looks like it's just a, a ninth a 910th scale Grand Wagoneer, which maybe for some people works. I mean, especially if it's a little bit less expensive, you don't want to spend the extra money on the grand wagoneer I, I understand that but it does it does kind of beg the question or is jeep crowding out their own market i don't know i mean you can really get a lot of confusion from the consumers you know where they're like well do i buy a grand cherokee or do i buy a grand cherokee l do i buy a, a grand wagoneer do i buy a wagoneer like what's the difference you can confuse yeah. people and drive them away um i guess as far as engines go they're they're Bringing all of the same engines right so those are all going to carry yep. over
2: i'm thinking maybe with, with what you just said you know with the grand cherokee and the l and the regular size grand uh, wagoneer and then the grand wagoneer uh, maybe they're trying to copy gm's model with the tahoe the suburban and then you got the yukon and the yukon xl uh, and it's and that model has worked out for gm pretty good yeah but- I, I don't know maybe
1: that's maybe that is what they're after i i you know, Ford kind of does the same thing too. Also actually, interestingly enough, the new expedition, the current expedition, I should say, um, they have a new trim. It's like a stripper. It's a stripper level trim. It's less expensive, like three and a half thousand dollars, less expensive than the cheapest trim right now, but they take out the, the third row seats. Um, that's really interesting. I, I don't know who wants to buy an expedition without third row seats.
2: It is interesting because one of the main reasons why you buy an expedition or any vehicle of that size is because you're looking for a third row, and so yeah, it is odd that they're offering this trim level. But we were talking briefly about this, and we said maybe this could be used for some sort of commercial or government use, uh, which in those applications yeah. it would make sense. Um, but those are the only applications we
1: can think of that it would make sense. Back back to Tesla for a second. We were saying so we brought up the standard range Model Y. So that is that is now available. This is the cheap one. Uh, so just for mm-hmm. reference, the the long range has been what's been available up until now. And that starts at $45,000, has a range of 326 miles, which, which is, I think, enough range. The standard range one is now available. It goes 244 miles, 60 miles less, right? Uh, and that starts at $37,000. I think it's a very
2: attractive price point for for a vehicle. I was reading the other day that here in the U.S. nowadays the the standard or the average monthly payment were all well over the five hundred dollars now a month for the average uh, car note. Yeah. And so to be able to, sure, this is the lease, uh, to be able to get a Model Y brand new from the factory for four nineteen a month with forty five hundred dollars down. It makes it very appealing to people yeah. who they want to maybe say, you know what. I'm considering buying an EV. I would like to try it out. I just don't want to pay eight hundred dollars a month. Yeah, uh, but at a $400 a month, it does look maybe more attractive. That 38
1: to $40,000 range I think that's a good range for Tesla to be in. I don't know that 244 miles is is sufficient range. Um I think it probably is for most people. I don't
2: So I think that the price is good. And the reason that we fly is because flying within Europe is very cheap. At yeah. least pre-COVID, you know, you can fly from uh, Spain to anywhere in the UK or uh, Italy for thirty to forty dollars uh, each yeah. way.
1: So. Yeah, it's all it's all government subsidized. It's not that it's yeah. actually that cheap. It, it is government subsidized, and and it is it is a lot easier, right? Or, or a if you're easier. not going, if you're not going that far, you can take the train, and that's you can easier. take the train.
2: Yeah. yeah, so we're, we're, in Europe when we talk about going long distances, we bringing your car usually is not part of the conversation. You use uh, right. another sort of transportation. But here in the States, it's the other way around. You know, It wasn't really until I came to the States and now that I'm living in, in the state of Utah, then long distances is just what you drive. I mean, yeah, from where I live, if I wanted to go to Los Angeles, that's a 10-hour drive. Uh, you know, seven, a little over seven hundred miles. I've done that trip multiple times, uh, but if we take that same distance and you take it back to Europe and living in Spain for uh, about the same amount of distance, you would go from the very north end of Spain to the tip in the south. So you would drive almost the entire country from the same same distance that I would drive from here to California. Yeah,
1: yeah, and that, that five hundred mile mark is kind of the point where you're like, well, maybe I should maybe I should fly, you know. Depending on how much yep. time and whatever you have, but yeah, in Europe, in Europe, you're right. You know they yep. they they don't do those big distances, and and so I think electric cars make a lot more sense for them on an individual level because they're like, you know, how how often do I ever drive
2: 250 miles in a, you know in a day? Right. You, right. you no, don't. you don't. So, but I even think that this new Model Y, the standard range, is going to be. A huge hit, even here in the United States, because yep. even if you have a 350 uh, mile range or a 400 mile range Tesla, uh, the only reason that you want to have that longer or increased range is because you think to yourself, well, I'm going to be making a couple of trips, and it, of course, it's nice to have that range. But most EV owners do not take EV vehicles on long trips, they just use them for their daily commute. and you, you know, daily run around, taking the kids to school, going to the grocery store, things of that nature. And because of that, you you do have the ability, if you, unless you live in an apartment complex uh, that doesn't have a charging network, but if you have your own driveway, your own house, most Tesla owners will also have their own charger installed at home. And because this is now being offered at a much lower price point, the range is maybe not fantastic, but it is sufficient. I mean, yeah. a couple hundred miles is sufficient for your for your commute. And if you just drive it every day, do whatever you need to do, come back home, and then plug it in at night, you're going to be more than fine. Yeah. And the fact that they're offering this range at a $6,000 discount, uh, I think it's just going to sell even more. I mean, Elon is going to sell a lot more wise than he was already selling. Yeah. And,
1: and I mean, and, and even look at like the Chinese market, like you think that $6,000 doesn't make a big difference in China? It's a huge difference in China yeah, or yeah. South America or, you know, I mean, anywhere that's price sensitive. I mean, look, I mean, the United States were price sensitive. So $6,000 makes a difference here. It makes an even bigger difference everywhere else.
2: With this introduction of the Model Y, the standard range, and now having the option to uh, have a third row seat, it's starting to look like an extremely competitive crossover. If you compare it to anything
1: else, yeah. Yeah. Last thing we want to talk about was we have this. The uh, U.S. fuel. The EPA has released again for for 2020 the fleet averages. So they keep track of this for for regulatory reasons, but it's interesting for us. So they said that actually the fleet average fuel economy fell in 2020 from 2019. It fell from point. It fell. miles per gallon so this is basically you add up all the cars that were sold in the united states and what was their average miles per gallon right so it fell from 25.1 to 24.9 which is still actually pretty high it's interesting that it fell and they say that the reason why is is you guessed it because americans are continuing to buy more and more and more trucks and suvs and I think that'll definitely. I think that five six thousand dollars difference. I think it.
2: It adds up. Yeah, I think it adds up. I mean, they haven't had any problems whatsoever selling the long range, which is what's been available thus far at the price that they've been selling it. Yeah, uh, no problems. What I mean, not only no problems. It's it's been harder on them to keep up with the demand. So now that they're introducing a standard version with a lower price point, it's only going to add fuel. Uh, to that fire. Yeah. Well, one, one of the things we were
1: talking about the Norway sales and how many electric vehicles they sold, a lot of those electric vehicles sold were the, was the Audi e-tron, you know, their, their SUV. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that pretty much compares to the model Y. I think that's the co- competition, right? Yeah. But the, the range on the e-tron is much closer to the standard range model Y. And, and again, in Europe, I don't know that that matters that much. I mean, these are really designed for the European market where range, you know, look, I mean, 244 miles in the United States doesn't get you that far. But in England, you're like you're halfway across the country. Right. So. Um,
2: yeah. And another thing that maybe our listeners are not so aware of this. Well, I, I'm from Spain. So, of course, I grew up in Europe. And one of the things that it's very different in Europe than it is here in the States, uh, Europeans don't tend to drive long distances. It just doesn't yeah, happen. Right. We fly. To me, to me, it makes sense. And I think there's several factors that have contributed to to this happening. First of all, we've talked about this in the podcast before. Here in the States, we just love SUVs and trucks. Okay. And that crave, as we can see, is not decreasing anytime soon. Uh, there, it's a hunger for it. So that's one of the reasons. But I think the other reason, too, is um, COVID. A lot of people have transitioned to working from home and they have discovered, hey, you know what, I now have, I don't have a commute anymore. I don't have to go to the office anymore. So now maybe I'm not as concerned about buying something that fuel economy is not going to be as good because I'm not going to use it as much. It's going to be now a weekend uh, vehicle or an afternoon vehicle. If I need to go to the grocery store or run a quick errand, I'm not going to, I don't have a commute that I need to worry about anymore. Uh, And then a third thing also that I think comes into the equation is we have enjoyed over the last, you know, 18 months, 24 months, pretty good gas prices here in the U.S., which, of course, it only incites to, for people to buy vehicles that are not that fuel efficient because gas is cheap. Look, at $2 a
1: gallon gas, you don't care what no. fuel economy is not a consideration. Again, if you're a European or someone else from a, from somewhere other than the United States and Canada, looking at our buying habits, you have to recognize that again, we, we tend to take a lot more longer trips and cars, it, you know, besides, we just have bigger space. We have bigger families than, than Europeans or, or Asians do. And, you know, look, I mean, you got, you got three kids, you can't fit them into a sedan. Can't, you cannot fit three car seats into the back of a sedan. Everyone expects gas prices to go up a little bit, and at 2 dollars a gallon you don't care what what vehicle your your miles per gallon is at 3 dollars a gallon you're like ah oh, i better start thinking about this and then you get into the you know 350 or 4 dollars a gallon and then it it really does affect consumer
0: That's it for this week's limited slip podcast Remember to subscribe so you don't miss our insights into next week's automotive news. If you want to help us keep the content coming, leave a five-star review and visit our businesses at DaveTheCarImporter.com, where Dave helps clients import their dream cars from South America and Europe for a flat fee, or Borja's business on Facebook at Auto Pros Utah, a full service auto repair shop. It's been Dave and Borja on this week's Limited Slip Podcast.